0: Welcome back, everyone, to Industries in Motion podcast, brought to you by RBC Capital Markets. Reminder, this is where we'll be exploring what's new and what's next in today's fast-moving markets and industries to help you stay ahead of the curve. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. My name is Mark Odendahl, and I'm head of U.S. Capital Markets Research here at RBC. And I'm really excited to have Ken Herbert on the line. He is our Aerospace Analyst at RBC. Welcome, Ken.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. Look forward to the discussion.
0: Okay, before we get started, I thought I'd give a little bit more background on Ken. Ken joined in 2021 as our Aerospace Analyst and has initiated a full list of both OE, original equipment, and aftermarket companies in the aerospace sector. Recently, he initiated on Airbus. So by covering Boeing and Airbus, he's become our global aerospace analyst, and we're really excited to have him start to help investors globally understand the trends in the global aerospace sector. So let's kick it off, Ken. Let's start talking about the commercial aerospace sector, and we got to break that into two parts. The first part is the original equipment manufacturer, the OEs, and that's Boeing and Airbus. Could you just kick it off by telling us a little bit about where we are in the cycle uh, for the OE sector and some of the trends that you're picking up recently? A couple
1: of things I'd highlight. First, the recovery in passenger traffic continues to be stronger, I think, than any of us expected. And this has been a consistent theme over the last two to three years, really, as you've seen significant pent-up demand of travel coming out of, obviously, the pandemic. So if you think about domestic travel globally, we're effectively back to where we were in 2019 levels. Uh, and in some regions, notably here in the United States, we're even ahead of where we were in 2019 in terms of domestic travel. International travel has seen a real acceleration in the last six to nine months as we've finally seen a lot of the opening up of borders and a lot of the restrictions that prevented international travel. We still see slower growth in terms of Asia and parts of Asia in particular and in China, We're continuing to be surprised by the strength of traffic that's coming back, and that's translated to extremely strong backlogs when you think about Airbus and Boeing and and very robust order activity by the airlines and the leasing companies. It's important to point out as well that I think coming out of this crisis, many airlines have better balance sheets than I think we would have imagined, just considering a fair amount of stimulus that the industry received and the strength in traffic, the strength in airfares. And, uh, and all the other fundamental indicators. So we are in a very healthy position in terms of the demand environment right now, as it relates to the global aerospace industry. And I'm sure we'll dig into this, but, but clearly the big issue continues to be the supply chain and the, ability, the industry's ability
0: to meet the demand, which continues to be very strong you recently attended the Paris Air Show. Could you let us know a few things that you heard and and how that marries with what you just explained as it relates to the aerospace sector?
1: Yeah, very, very good order activity at the Air Show. I think in particular, at Airbus, we saw finalization of the order with Indigo, one of the largest orders ever, of course, the Indian airline. And we saw the finalization of some orders for both Boeing and Airbus out of Air India. So a couple things I'd highlight. The Air Show really highlighted the strong demand environment with the order activity, especially on the narrow body or the smaller aircraft. The second thing I would highlight is we saw really strong order activity out of India, and India has become a very strong emerging market for the industry. Many believe uh, almost replacing China in terms of the strength and the outlook for air travel in that particular region. The third thing we learned, as I highlighted, was we continue to face pressure on the industry's ability to produce aircraft to meet the rising demand, so the supply chain has gone through very significant dislocation over the last two to three years, and continues to struggle to support uh, the growing backlogs we've seen at both Boeing and Airbus.
0: So, Ken, you know, supply chain issues was a huge topic during the pandemic and COVID. Intuitively, you would think that we'd be moving past this. We've moved past supply chain issues in a lot of different industries in the economy. Why are we still talking about it with the aerospace sector?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Mark. I think I'd highlight a few reasons. One, the industry is very long cycle. So the supply chain, when you think about 2020, 2021, 2022, was very, very slow and measured in its push to recover production rates. The industry obviously was capitalized at much higher production rates than we're at now, but the industry lost a number of people and, and it's really struggled with pulling those people back. I think the consistent commentary coming out of the air show was the industry is staffed now to support higher production rates, but the industry the issue now remains training, productivity, and efficiency of the workforce. If you think about a very experienced workforce, many of which retired under covid Coming back with perhaps a more junior workforce, that's certainly an issue. The second point I'd make is you've also got other competing industries. So commercial aerospace, obviously a very strong and growing industry, but we also have very strong pull within the defense market. So you've seen a number of companies, suppliers or other companies shift maybe emphasis on defense. And we've also seen very strong growth in business jets so you've had simultaneously all the end markets growing, which has pulled talent into other uh, areas away from commercial aerospace, perhaps. But then I would also just highlight the long, the long nature uh, of the cycles in that, you know, a lot of these, you know, to, to, to spool up a supply chain, considering incremental disruption we've seen as a result of the war in Russia and Ukraine, as a result of uh, some of the trading uh, or, or changing geopolitical issues between the United States and China, We've seen some other significant disruptions in the aerospace supply chain, which have contributed to some of the delays. And then, of course, like we talked about, the demand came back much stronger than expected. So you have had a number of factors that have contributed to the issues in the supply chain. And you're right, a lot of other industries seem to be normalizing now and putting these issues behind them. We are seeing production rate increases out of Boeing and Airbus. I just think the pace continues to be slower than uh, than many would hope or, or expect at this point. And these... These issues, you know, when you're talking about lead times of up to two years on many different parts of the airplane, uh, it obviously takes more than just quarter to quarter to work out. And so we're very much in the middle of still sorting some
0: of these issues out. So, Ken, I don't think we can spend as much time on Boeing without you giving an update on some of their recent products. So the 737 MAX is uh, heavily debated in the investment community. Could you give us an update on some of the product initiatives at Boeing?
1: Yeah, of course. And I should mention that the MAX contributed to some of Boeing's issues as they, of course, stopped production of that aircraft at the end of 2019 heading into COVID. So the, the two or three key issues for the MAX, uh, first and foremost, it's it's China. Um, China Boeing had approximately hundred aircraft in China when the aircraft was grounded. Those um, all of the Chinese airlines that had Max aircraft in their inventory have returned the Max to service. And of those hundred aircraft, the latest numbers are that approximately between seventy to eighty of those aircraft have in fact returned to service. So, and that's just happened in the last six months. We've seen a nice uptick in the utilization of the Max aircraft that were in China. Um, we're still waiting for. Boeing to resume deliveries of MAX aircraft into China. as a, Heading into the pandemic, Boeing had approximately 140 aircraft in inventory slated for Chinese airlines. Boeing has successfully remarketed you know, approximately you know, 40 to 50% of these. So we are optimistic that as geopolitical issues continue to ideally improve between the United States and China, we could see a resumption of deliveries of the MAX into China at some point this calendar year. Um, it's important to keep in mind as well that the recovery in China has been very, very spotty and inconsistent, so there hasn't been as much of a demand for the lift or the MAX in China as you would have seen here in the United States or in Western Europe. Final point I would make on the MAX is Boeing has, it's, it's intended to be a four-class aircraft, the Dash 7, 8, 9, and 10. The Dash 8 and the Dash 9 variants are approved, and that is what Boeing is delivering today. We're still waiting for final certification on the Dash 7 and the Dash 10 variants. So that continues to be an issue we watch very closely as those have continued to slip to the right, largely as a result of issues around timing at the FAA and revamped and more stringent certification requirements, um, largely as a result of some of the issues associated with the MAX and the grounding back in 2018 and 2019.
0: All right, let's now turn towards Airbus. Could you give us an update on some of the trends they're seeing, specific to that company, as well as their delivery trends?
1: Airbus took production rates down about fifty to sixty percent across their portfolio when we went into the pandemic. So they're in a better position today on the narrow body side. They're they're delivering their A three hundred and twenty, family of uh, aircraft. They call the Neo the new engine option. Airbus is out delivering Boeing today about by about thirty to forty percent. So. They are in a better position today. Airbus is currently running at approximately 50 aircraft a month in terms of their production and delivery schedules. Boeing currently delivering it, in the low 30s on a monthly basis. So Airbus was in a slightly better position, obviously, heading into the pandemic, has had uh, better success in ramping up the supply chain, but continues to face issues similar to what Boeing is facing as well. But Airbus and Boeing, neither company is talking about a a new aircraft or a new clean sheet aircraft in the near future. So the focus continues to remain very much on Airbus and its A320 family and, of course, Boeing with the 737
0: MAX. All right, let's shift gears. We've talked about the OE trends. Now let's move to the aftermarket. And Just a reminder, folks, Ken covers a significant list of um, aerospace suppliers. And so primarily, uh, a lot of these suppliers supply the aftermarket for the OEs. Ken has um, conducted a long running MRO survey, maintenance, repair, and overall survey of a lot of shops that consume these aftermarket components. And um, he's also a keynote speaker at many industry events as it relates to the aftermarket. So Ken, just as we kick it off on the aftermarket, give us a, a view of where we stand in that cycle. And when I hear you talk, to investors you talk a lot about pricing deferred maintenance retirements inventory kind of give us a view overall for the aftermarket
1: the aftermarket as you indicated most companies that sell up into Boeing and Airbus because of regulatory requirements are also the sole source provider of that particular part into the aftermarket and the aftermarket tends to be where many suppliers make a disproportionate amount of their profit and earnings so it's a it's it's a, a market of considerable focus and what I would say is, for a lot of the same reasons, uh, a lot of the reasons that we're seeing some delays out of Boeing and Airbus, those tend to be uh, those tend to be tailwinds for the aftermarket. So as traffic has continued to surprise to the upside and be stronger than expected, we've seen increased demand for spare parts and maintenance and repair services around these aircraft to meet the the rising traffic demand. Also, as supply chains have been an issue and turnaround times at at, at maintenance shops airlines have built greater inventory and greater buffer stock and as a result of some of these disruptions in the demand many of the suppliers have been in a position to pass on or get much better pricing on spare parts than is than is typically normal we're hearing about many suppliers you know getting price increases into the mid teens um, which is two to three times higher than what you would normally expect obviously a lot of that reflects just higher costs from an inflation and and cost and labor standpoint but certainly the industry is in a better position today to get pricing. So the aftermarket has been very sound. Our most recent quarterly survey pointed to about 22 to 23 percent growth in the second quarter in MRO spending, um, which is which is very strong. And the outlook for the second half of 2023 was about 500 basis points better than our first quarter 23 survey indicated. So we continue to see a strengthening. The risks to the aftermarket are certainly a broader economic recession, which could have a negative impact on um, uh, passenger flying, which we haven't really seen yet. And second, many of the tailwinds could eventually become headwinds as as growth eventually would normalize and eventually we would see you know, Boeing and Airbus deliver more aircraft, which would give airlines the opportunity to retire more aircraft or to decrease the utilization of some of the older aircraft today, which tend to be very uh, intensive from an aftermarket standpoint. But we're just not seeing that yet. Uh, we continue to see you know, the disruptions on the supply side continue to equate to very good opportunities and a very positive outlook for the aftermarket.
0: You know, you recently published an MRO survey. You know, What did that show you? What were some of the trends that you've seen over the last couple of years in that survey?
1: Yeah, so it it clearly pointed to a couple of things. One, demand on the engine side remains very robust. And if you think about the aftermarket, we tend to look at it in three or four buckets. You, of course, have the engine, which accounts for about 40 percent of all the aftermarket spending. And as aircraft get older, the disproportionate amount of spending on the engine goes up. You've then, of course, got what we call traditional components, which is everything from avionics and landing gear. And then you've got, of course, the airframe and you've got interiors as well. So as you think about The aftermarket, we've clearly seen greater strength on the engine side recently, and that's companies, for example, like General Electric and like Safran and like Pratt & Whitney, part of uh, Raytheon Technologies. Um, Engine spending by the airlines has been very robust. The airlines have utilized a lot of what they call green time in the industry, which is an airline's ability to swap out engines to continue to defer maintenance and a lot of those behaviors have largely been used up, so we're seeing a real strong demand for engine spending. We've also seen a very strong demand for alternative parts. As you think about the recovery and you think about supply chain disruptions, airlines are looking very aggressively at alternative parts, and these tend to be around what they call PMA parts, which are substitute for OEM parts, or used parts that have been repaired, what they call USM or used serviceable material, so we've seen a real structural shift towards the airlines looking for alternative parts coming out of this crisis. And then the third thing I would highlight is we continue to see very strong demand out of Asia and China in particular. I think a lot of us were concerned that with the pandemic, demand in China could slow. And it's been spotty, obviously, but we get a sense now that the airlines in China are really starting to spend in anticipation of a, a step up in growth into this year and certainly in 24 and also the recovery of international traffic. So engines, uh, alternative material, and Asia continue to be some of the key themes in the aftermarket.
0: Okay, Ken, if I digest what you're saying about the OEs, as well as what you're saying about the aftermarket companies, is there a situation where they both can work?
1: No, it's a great question. They're both seeing positive trends now, but to the extent to which the OEs continue to do better and maybe improve their execution, that would be an incremental headwind for the aftermarket because clearly what's what the aftermarket and what a lot of these suppliers have benefited from have been the fact that Boeing and Airbus have struggled to meet their delivery commitments to airlines, which has forced airlines to continue to fly older aircraft that by now they probably would have expected to retire. And of course, those older aircrafts tend to be much more maintenance intensive. So they don't have to be uh, working against each other, but I think because we do expect to see continued struggle on the OE side, while obviously things are getting better, it shouldn't be a significant headwind for the aftermarket. So they can both, they have been working and they both should continue to work for the near future.
0: So Ken, are there any catalysts that investors should know about these sectors going into the fall or into year-end 2023?
1: The next big air show upcoming will be the Dubai Air Show, uh this fall and a lot of the middle eastern airlines have have continued to preference or prefer to use the dubai air show for major order announcements or other announcements so look for the dubai air show as it relates to demand for international traffic and larger aircraft as a as a potentially very important catalyst for the industry the second we would just call out continued you know monthly production and delivery rates and the cadence out of boeing and airbus as particularly important. And then finally, you know, management at Boeing has been talking about perhaps seeing a resumption of deliveries into China, perhaps a little sooner than into 2024. So if we see any resumption of deliveries of the MAX in particular into China before the end of the calendar year, that would be better than expected.
0: Well, thanks a lot, Ken. This was an amazing update on both the OE side, the original equipment side, as well as the aftermarket and really shows your thought leadership across the commercial aerospace sector. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you, Mark.
1: Have a great day, everybody.
0: What else lies ahead in today's ever-evolving markets and industries? We'll be keeping track right here on Industries in Motion. Until then, thank you for joining us on this episode recorded July 24th, 2023. And also, please be sure to subscribe to Industries in Motion wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to continue this conversation about aerospace or are interested in more information, please contact your RBC representative directly or visit our website, www. Rbccm.com forward slash industries in motion for further insights. Thank you again for your time today and look forward to having you at our next industries in motion podcast.
1: This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this
0: communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.